0: With guests from all over the world, from different wisdom traditions, I wish to create a web of loving energy that permeates the whole world to create more love and peace. You can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube for more guidance and love. Hello to all you loving beings and welcome to this week's episode. I'm so excited today to share with you everything around devotion, remembrance, and divine connection with Rebecca Campbell. And Rebecca Campbell is a writer, devotional artist, who leads activating workshops internationally, giving people an experience of their soul. She's the best-selling author of numerous books and Oracle decks, including Light is the New Black and the Work Your Light Oracle. And the creator of the rise sister rise membership through all of rebecca's creations she's encourages people all over the world to spend more time with their soul and connect to their own inner temple and this call and this uh, conversation was so beautiful it was truly like meeting a soul sister again from other lifetimes and she's in this magical place in England which I've been called to over and over again uh, which I also almost made a you can say a pilgrimage to because for me it was truly a spiritual uh, place to visit and I can truly recommend this power place of Glastonbury and today with Rebecca I'm sharing everything around these topics, around uh, our lineage, ancestry, and reincarnation and how it's all connected. We talk about um, star seeds, rose healing, and the remembrance of what you truly are. And Rebecca shares her amazing story in everything that she's doing today and how she moved from Australia to England and Yeah, she's so inspirational. Her Oracle card deck is so beautiful. And she has her new book coming out now that you can see in the links in the show notes. And it's called Letters to a Star Seed. It's so beautiful. And I'm really grateful to be sharing this uh, episode with you. And I hope that it helps you on your own journey. And as you know, My book is going to be released right after Summer Solstice in June, and it's available to pre-order, and it's really a book to dive deeper into yourself, your mind, your body, your emotions, your energy, and also your spiritual path and your purpose. So it all goes together, and I think right now it's a lot of things that are happening in our lives and in in the world that are calling us to live in our truth so I hope that this book can help as many as possible on their path and if this is something that you are called to do you can check it out and also join my community on Instagram and Facebook if you want to take part of daily guidance and yeah, just get more insights into this. And I also really want to thank my spos- uh, sponsors for this show, which is Ace of Air. It's a newly launched beauty and wellness brand committed to products that put people and planet above all. Everything that they do are is sourced with integrity, sustainably grown it's kind to animals and the planet and is backed by research and their line of clean vegan and cruelty free skin care and supplements have been synergistically formulated at the intersection of herbalist wisdom and modern science focusing on rituals that work from the inside out and everything that we do and choose is energy so when we have an intention to do something good for ourselves and others and the planet. We also take conscious decision of what we're consuming in our body and through the way we live. So they're inspired by Mother Nature's ability to create abundance without waste. And they're the first and only beauty and wellness brand designed to be entirely circular and fully zero waste and you can explore more about Ace of Air at aceofair.com I really love them the founders and yeah I'm so blessed to have them as my show sponsors and I hope you enjoy this week's episode with Rebecca hi Rebecca welcome to the podcast
1: so great to be here with you Shireen
0: so happy to have you here and very grateful and I want to ask you if you want to share one daily mindfulness practice that you have in your life. Mm, I'd say um, the
1: one I'm doing at the moment is um, because I'm I'm a new mom and um, I started this probably when my son was about – four months old and um yeah each night we just have a bath together <laughs> and I just kind of look into his eyes for sometimes it's only like five seconds because he's wriggling around <laughs> but I think actually I've never thought of that practice as actually a practice but I think that is um the practice that I'm showing up to with the most rhythm you know there's been periods of my life that Um, where my spiritual practice has been very disciplined in a sense of like it's the same meditation or the same chant for however long, sometimes many, many years, and then it might shift. Um, But the past couple of years, and actually since I moved to Glastonbury, it's been changing quite a bit. Um, And so sometimes it's earth-based, sometimes it's chanting, sometimes it's drinking rose tea and doing a meditation. But I think, yeah, when I look at it, that's actually my most regular mindful practice at the moment.
0: <laughs> that's so beautiful. What a mm. lovely mindfulness practice and looking into your baby's eyes and soul and everything. Thank you so much mm. for sharing that. And mm. I love that you say also that that you've reached a state where you can um, like, change and feel into what, what you're needing day by day and Mm. the more rigorous practice is good for just getting into it and and starting your practice in a way so that the mind can get used to it but then you can also move beyond that in 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 your own Mm. life so that's a great
1: great what's your favorite
0: well i for me the the first thing in the morning for me to just land back into my body from being in the astral world during yeah it's just to feel my body I can it's not a specific uh, routine or asana practice but it's just like uh, laying down on the mat and starting to stretch the body and connect Mm. with the breath to feel like I'm I'm back in my body and then Um, right now I have an evening practice with satsang and kirtan and and the Mm. meditation of those evenings when I'm home I I join in on that since I just did uh, recently a training and but one of the most important ones are just being going out in nature so Mm. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's beautiful now and and it's starting to get warmer here as well. We our spring never arrived here in Sweden, so now we went from winter to summer almost. Oh, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah! I feel like our our summer has not arrived for sure. <laughs> I'm like,
0: come on, come back. <laughs> yeah, I know we need it. We need it so much. Mm. And yeah, I mean, I've been following you on your journey for a long time now, and I would love for you to let the listeners know if they haven't already seen you or 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 seen everything that you're creating uh, to tell them a little bit about yourself and what you do for sure so I think that the essence of
1: my work is around um weaving the soul back into our everyday life and living a soul-led life and so the basis of that is you know it's based on that that simple principle that that we're a soul having a human experience. Um, And over the years, um, I've been kind of documenting my journey. Um, I believe that the awakening process never ends and that um, sometimes it's ecstatic and sometimes it's kind of excruciating um, and that our whole life is... An awakening process our whole life is the spiritual journey um since moving to Glastonbury you know nature's always been a big part of my work um particularly like flowers and the rose um with my creative process in particular um but since moving to Glastonbury I feel like I've kind of begun diving into the depths of the earth if that makes sense and um and yeah, I've just got this sense that really what I've really been focusing on is, is how we can kind of bring the two worlds together, like this, what we in the West are like the spiritual world and just the normal everyday world. Um, And I think it's really important, particularly now that we bring these two worlds back together. I think all Indigenous traditions, and if you track back enough, we're all from Indigenous traditions, Um, they saw the the earth as sacred and holy, all beings as sacred and holy, um, um, and particularly nature and us as being nature rather than going into nature or existing in nature or owning land and all of that. And so, yeah, that's where I've been really caught or lately to kind of look at our relationship with the earth and, and how we can kind of weave the sacred back in or, or weave ourselves back into the sacred.
0: Yeah, in so many beautiful ways. Thank you for sharing that. That's so beautiful. And I wanted to ask you, because you came, so certain things uh, brought you to England uh, on your path and I would love to hear how your this this transformational um event and an awakening happened in your life when you were young back yeah old. so I think I'd always been
1: fascinated by what I now call the soul but I didn't really have the words for it um think like many people and maybe a lot listening I just had this um like this inner call or this yearning to to kind of remember why I came here (laughs) and just this like deep um sense of urgency really to kind of do what I came here to do (laughs) and um you know, in my first book I speak, speak about that and I call that type of person a light worker, someone who, like, they awaken and they begin to remember why they choose to be here at this point in history. Um, and, yeah, when I was in um, high school, like, early high school, I had a couple of experiences that definitely, like, woke me up, um, as in I couldn't explain them. You know, and so then I began learning about the unseen world, learning about um, the journey of the soul and and all of those things that that I w- definitely was not taught at school. Um, and then, yeah, when I was, um, when I finished school, I, um, instead of going to university, I took a year off and um, talk about, I think I had like five jobs like so I was working so hard to just save up to be able to come over to Europe and when I look back now I'm I can really see that like something was calling me here um at the time it wasn't this big conscious thing but I found myself um in Ireland and Scotland in particular and parts of the UK like Glastonbury too um and I look back now and I can see that I was like on this pilgrimage um, to the land of my ancestors, um, but I, I wasn't conscious to it at the time, but I could feel it. I could feel this connection and I look back I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was so courageous and definitely led by something beyond. And it's interesting as well because on that trip I um I actually went to sweden twice which was like not part of my plan at all i had a friend who had a friend who was um working in um stockholm and um yeah and so just in this trip that i took which was like uh, i think it was like eight or nine months i went to i went to sweden twice and i've i found um out since that um I do have ancestry, um, like Scandinavian ancestry. And so I wonder if that is part of that. Um, But, yeah, then I went back to Australia and um, I did my university, uh, got a job and did the things that were all kind of like like meant to do, you know, work hard and that whole like make it in, in a man's patriarchal world and all of that. I'd always been a really hard worker I think it's part of it's something I'm working on easing up um as I grew older <laughs> um and yeah and then I um I then came back to to London and um yeah I was working hard still but then the awakenings began to kind of like turn up a little bit um and I experienced quite a lot of losses um, in succession, like end of a 11-year relationship, um, loss of a couple of really, really good friends. And it was around my Saturn returns, which is like 28 to 30, around that age. Um, and I just, this passion that I'd always had for learning about the journey of the soul and the unseen world and the, the sacred um. It, it just began to call me closer to it and I began realising that this whole time I'd been kind of scared to lean into it and I just hadn't seen it as a profession even though in my visions I had seen myself doing the life that I'm living now, like writing books and all of that, but I just I couldn't quite work out how the path would unfold um and it was around then that I through that kind of rock bottom period um at the end of that that's when I experienced uh quite a significant kundalini shakti awakening experience and um yeah it was around that time where it just became clear that I just could not keep living the life that I'd really consciously created um but just was not in alignment with who I was at that soul level. Um, so, yeah, that, that's probably the first two significant awakening experiences. And I've had several since then as well. And I, I like mentioning that because I think that um, it can seem like um, the awakening experience is just um, glorious. <laughs> and even if it is you know, seemingly um, instant and spontaneous, it often takes a lot of integration because whether it's just like from a mind point of view, but often it's physical as well, We, um, the the world that we once believed has now changed. And so even if it is spontaneous, it takes a lot of integration. So I think it's really important to kind of speak to that
0: yeah mm. thank you for sharing that's a beautiful journey I was sitting and nodding the whole time and <laughs> like you're talking about my uh, my journey as well into mm. like these different um like you said there's almost like different initiations throughout life that come and that um lead us on the further on the path. And, and I think, yeah, I've been on my path. It's been like with you, I've always, I can't remember any time in my life that I wasn't um, in a, on this magical and um, mysterious path, because I, I remember as a child and definitely as a teenager reading all sorts of books and getting very deep into uh, my own type of spirituality uh, and and certain things initiate us into it like a loss can be a way of initiation as well like that's when we Mm -hmm. I, I think I that that was the first time I experienced my like other senses beyond the five senses. That's when uh, my grandfather passed away in a different country in, in Kurdistan where my heritage is from. And uh, and then the next initiation was actually when I exactly what you talked about when you're in this. Yeah, you do your, you you study whatever you think is is great from a society society perspective and then you go into this masculine world of for me it was like the digital and IT world and it moved me Mm. also to Ireland so I think a lot of (laughs) you (laughs) did did it wow I I lived in Ireland for and I've always felt a connection with with the Uh, Britain and Ireland and it's it's a magical place on earth to be but a lot of things uh, started to happen there and and these small and big initiations so I love that on your journey that you because you come up to a point also where you can't deny or stop or um, Mm. like, like you just have to move into it you can't it's like the, the whole universe is just pushing you towards a direction so it's so important to follow that calling and it it comes sometimes as an easy thing but a lot of times it's also like challenges that come up and it, it challenges us until we do align and then we go into a new cycle and it's like you said with Saturn return that was like a new cycle that that opens up and shifts and I think this year has also been a like a new cycle opening up to even more things because we had this period of time where we are uh, also being challenged to raise our vibration and to to, as a collective so this uh, this year has probably been like an initiation for All of us in one way or another as well Mm, it's so true yeah and what what age are you i'm turning 33 this year in
1: 33 oh that's a powerful age
0: yeah it's a lot of threes now 33 in my yeah well yeah i've been finding
1: out about um uh so it's like around what they call it midlife um but obviously we're living a lot longer so it's not quite midlife anymore. but um yeah around i'm 39 um but it's to do with pluto, Pluto square Pluto yeah. transit and i'm going through that at the moment, which is like a it's another version of Saturn returns. it's quite an internal time. so yeah, I'm fascinated by by that and i feel like when i went through Saturn returns, like i had no idea. That it existed until after it. <laughs> and so, did you know before you went into it?
0: I I've been studying astrology since I was like twenty, so I was very aware that my Saturn return was showing coming up, but I didn't understand how long the the whole transition actually was going to take and what it meant because it felt like a rebirth, like every mm. every perspective within me changed of what life is and what, what I'm supposed to be or not be and everything changed, but it was like a long transition. And I think it's not until now, it feels like that has come into like the effects of that have come into place. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Mm. So, Mm. but yeah, a lot of people go through it and they, the awareness can be a good thing but also you, there's no way to prepare for, for it really. it's so
1: true yeah you know and i think it's the same with um like kundalini shakti awakenings mm-hmm. um i'm going through something at the moment which is very different from anything i've been through before like anytime i've been through that before it's been more ecstatic whereas now it's kind of like bringing up it's like the Shakti's bringing up everything that is not that. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was having a conversation with someone the other day. It was actually my doctor who v- surprised me with his experience of it because I, I just mentioned it to him. And um, w- what he said was just so incredible. And he was like, you know, when we go through these, and they are initiations and whether they're, planetary, energetic, whatever they are, um, it's like there is no guidebook to it. It's how it moves through you and it's helpful to um, know other people who have been through their own version of it. And I was, I was even talking to a, a girlfriend of mine reflecting on that conversation with my doctor and um, what she said is um. I trust the process you're going through or I trust the grace moving through you. Um, and I think that when we spoke about that and I can see that that's what we are for each other. And I think that's such an important reframe as where each, all of us on our own spiritual journey, on our own um, invitation into initiation whatever it is and there's never the step-by-step guide and we can kind of walk each other through it without saying this is the way to do it or this is the way to do it um yeah that's that's a conversation that's like it re- feels really kind of um fresh within me at the moment that I'm contemplating a lot about
0: yeah that's that's powerful. And the Pluto uh, transit that you're going through is probably also creating It's That's like the dark and the hidden and the psychic and the subconscious and all of that.
1: Mm, and totally. That,
0: right. And then that it's also an aspect of, of the yin or the divine feminine as well.
1: So,
0: mm-hmm. so true. That. It's so beautiful. And, and in regards to this because um in my yoga training we talked a lot about the, this this awakening of the kundalini and uh, and there is there's these these really uh these methods and these techniques and practices that that are uh being done that can also be a lot of um based in our uh, intellectual logical mind and mm. then i think like for me when i lived in in dublin there was a time where i like i felt like i renounced my body during that time like i wasn't mm. a part of my body anymore and it was so strange because i was still in the world doing everything but i was not there and uh, i i practiced actually a lot of like these guided meditations and journeys. And and those woke up a lot in me. And I had a, I had an experience where I at least felt this channel within, like physically felt the channel of uh, within our, uh, along our spine. And whether it was some type of awakening or not, I don't know. But, but what I felt was probably, I wasn't completely ready for it because um, I was in this I think I was not that conscious that one would think that you should be when you're practicing these things. I think I was in an astral plane, but I felt my physical body. It was like, um, imagine like a pipe going through from your pelvis all the way up, like very strongly. And it's, it was physically, um, very strong and painful, but um, it was, the beautiful thing was that in the end, uh, hearing sacred sounds, that was something. So I don't know what that experience was, but it was probably something that also initi- initiated me further and taking steps to, uh, yeah. yeah, then leave Dublin as well after two years there and and coming back here. And yeah, and as you said, these, these um, when you feel called to certain places like you've you've been when you moved from one side of the world to to Mm -hmm. this part of the world which is also like if it's in your ancestry it's in your physical DNA as well so you're made up from that nature that is on those islands Mm -hmm. so it's like it's like the birds when they're you know flying to different Mm -hmm. places and it's so natural but I think a lot of people don't follow that calling like you did.
1: It's so true. And I'm curious when you were you're mentioning the sacred songs was that when you were in Dublin? Like clearly you yeah. are I- interested in all kinds of music with having studied kirtan as well, but mm-hmm. um was that like Celtic music or was it more like um mantra? Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. I heard the mantras and it was like thousand voices uh, mm. singing om. And it was, yeah, it was, I first I freaked out because it was like someone suddenly shaking me, waking me up. So I was mm. first like shocked. But after that, I think a lot of, there was a lot of cleansing. I think I, uh, during a very short time period, uh, it, I, when I came to Dublin, it was like, um, yeah, a renunciation, all of the sudden, I it detached completely from my body, um, and mm-hmm. it was very, um, yeah, I became extremely, I became introverted again, which I always was my entire life, uh, up until I was a teenager and young, 20s, but then I went into like this hermit time i think i would have it would have been better if i was like out in the forest alone <laughs> but i had this <laughs> all this responsibility to work and i had gotten a job there that i really thought that i i but everything that happened in dublin like love positivism was created there like back in 2014 when i have when i did all this work there that's when when all of this was birthed it wouldn't have i think if i if I would have stayed here so I had to do that journey and in like now in hindsight I understood what a sacred place I was in I didn't know that back then what mm. what this island had it was really like you like you just said this uh, dark and and Pluto energy there I think as well <laughs> that's what I experienced. Like a transformational thing and um yeah but it led me actually to also my yeah into this path of of meditation i found like a buddhist center there and i practiced Iyengar yoga for a while and it really was a journey and i met really special uh, people there that i was meant to meet and and yeah i haven't been back for a while but this this pilgrimage like sometimes we don't know that it it is a pilgrimage it just you Mm -hmm. just go there you have to go there and then things happen and and that's where the the I think like certain places like also Glastonbury where you live is I was I went there really spontaneously I had been thinking it's been calling me I've been having dreams about it but I really just from one day to another i'm like okay now i'm gonna book tickets i went there and had these really amazing um experiences because the whole whole area is so charged with energy there Mm
1: -hmm.
0: really really special and up in the tour hearing the voices up there of (laughs) women (laughs) like it was i had really intense experiences there that that I'm I'm carrying with me it was really beautiful.
1: Mm. Yeah, it is a a special place, and like there's obviously other special places around the world, but um, I think that yeah, places that um, you know, there's a Celtic word called Imrama, which is essentially it's like a a journey that the soul takes you on, mm. <laughs> and yeah, Glastonbury for me had been one of those places where. It was like my body had been moved there before my mind had realized and I'm just talking like before I even moved here I mean I didn't even plan to move here at all um my husband and I didn't at all but it 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 just kind of everything came together in order it's like it just planted us here Mm. and prior to that that's how it felt every time I came here um and i had been living in london a while before it was time for me to come here and spend proper time here um and i think that these places um and of course we can connect to them by distance as well um but yeah these places that that sometimes our body takes us sometimes our soul takes us i like i'm, I'm fascinated by um you know is it is it the body like our ancestry or is it the soul like what is it that 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 brings us there and I, I personally think it is both. Mm. Um and that like for example somewhere like Glastonbury um you know I'm working with the rose at the moment I'm working on a, a rose oracle and mm what i'm discovering about the rose is that you know it's 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 a renowned um healer you know we we kind of all know that we obviously also also know the connection with love and all of that mm-hmm. um but what i'm discovering about the rose is that it gives us what we need <laughs> and i think sacred places do the same thing and and i think also we can tend to them too um and that that different people are called to different places at certain time, certain times. And and I've seen also like in my visions um, that like many of us have been incarnating in all corners of the world, um, maybe in places that we from a soul perspective weren't, um, weren't incarnating in before. Mm. And it's like, there is this web being created, you know. When I when I speak to people, um, um, not on the street, but just <laughs> particularly with my work, um, mm-hmm. I do hear this kind of like echo of of like this kind of um, loneliness. But I, I don't mean it in the sense of like, oh, I have no friends, loneliness. But just this kind of like feeling misplaced and I think like colonialism and patriarchy is part of that because we've disconnected ourselves from the world like we've created a world on top of the world and I think we are returning to that original world which is where the sacred is woven into everyday life Um, but I do also feel like many of us have um Reincarnating in places that we're maybe our soul isn't 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 used to, for example. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, definitely. Like this, um, I think that now is the time that we're creating this beautiful grid all mm. over the world and, and priestesses from different places and also very wise men, and and that we are. Like you said, for example, so uh, my heritage is from Kurdistan, but something brought me here to Sweden, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, and I feel very. For a while, I, I I maybe I didn't feel that connection. I I mean I've been here since I was one, but uh, now I'm starting to understand like the magic and learning also about the 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 lineage of the healers here that have been in the nordics uh previous to to the you know that christianity came here and and all of that so i really think that we are now um there, there must be a reason why we have seen this big migration in the world but also mm. that we are i think just as you like you maybe you feel both connected to uh, the place where you were born but also seeing like when I went to, Australia was really special as well actually because I had food poisoning there for some Mm. reason that it was because I needed to slow down. So something happened. Mm. And then we went to New Zealand and that's when I felt this healing. But at the same time I said, this looks like Scotland, like this is the, it's earth, it's the same, like it's, it's not even, we we think about these other places, exotic places, but in the end, everything is so connected, like we're Mm -hmm. still on this planet in this physical incarnation, and uh, I think that we're spread out and, and being able also to work like this across um time and space is so beautiful. Mm. So it's and so I'm-
1: true. It's so true. And yeah, I think that for me, I, I I grew up in Australia, um, which of course if you really look at it, it's like it's the the oldest civilization supposedly in the world is the Indigenous Australians, the Aboriginals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved nature there. I loved, um, you know, nature was such a big part of way, the way I lived, but I also felt a disconnection. Um, and I look back now and I think it's it's the ancestral roots that I felt disconnected to. Like, a, you know, I've just done this incredible course um, on cultural awareness based on the history of Australia, which is very different to the history that I learned about at school. And um, it's heartbreaking what happened. Um, And, you know, of course we know like we didn't personally do it because it's generations before and it's when consciousness was different. And I think that we're kind of waking up and realizing just how much harm has been done and these sacred places around the world, um, I really feel that it is it is this disconnection from the earth as divine mother. Um, and, you know, if you look up the definition of nature in the dictionary, it, it literally talks about like stones and plants and, you know, landscapes and all of that. And it, it specifically says not humans. And I think that is where... So much of the harm has been done, you know,
0: mm.
1: and um, I think that with myself, and it sounds like you are the same way, um, I've always been kind of like called to these sacred places, um, and I think that part of that is feeling the connection of ancient people who were living in that harmony like um, yeah have you have you spent um, much time or were you you born in Kurdistan or have you spent time
0: there? No I wasn't I was born in Prague because my parents had to leave very Mm -hmm. early age from Kurdistan and I feel extremely connected to I haven't been back yet because it also took many years before it was like safe to travel yeah. And, and, and yeah. And now it, the past years has been much better, but it's, yeah, the parts where we're from, um, it's mm-hmm. been going up and down. So uh, my father goes back uh, pretty often because mm-hmm. of his family But for me, what I I've realized is that because we're like the people of the mountains. So mm-hmm. uh, I was interviewing my grandmother, who's the only, you know, a grandparent that's left right now. Mm-hmm. And I want to write stories of Kurdish women. Uh, and wow. yeah, I asked her how it was. She's, she's, se- I think she's 70, no, 85 this year. I, I can't mm-hmm. even remember because she's like a <laughs> really fun 30 year old when you talk to her. She's so open and, and <laughs> happy. Wow. She, she grew up in a, very different society when um, I was interviewing her about her journey as a young girl and uh, also she told me how if someone got sick th- there was not there was very little medicines like allopathic mm-hmm. medicine. so they used to go to the mountain and they had a special name for different types of plants there that they used to pick and And I see in my body when it's winter here, how my body is is craving for that warmth and sun. Mm. And so I feel my genetics, even though I've been here all my life. And uh, I always, what I loved about uh, Ireland was that there was mountains right something that I'm really missing here in Sweden because it's very flat in this part of Sweden Mm. I really love to go to places where I see hills and mountains yeah I feel exactly
1: the same wow isn't that interesting so it's like is perhaps that's cellular like the cell memory Mm. rather than you know I've been since I moved to Glastonbury around the same time I began studying intuitive herbalism and it, it wasn't specifically like for my work like not to necessarily get a qualification it was literally just like I just there was this point I was doing lots of workshops and I said to a friend I'm just like I just feel like I can't talk about anything right now except for nature and flowers (laughs) and I'm like I just I just am not interested I just don't want to do it and um, so often when you kind of like voice things like that which are like deep in the soul it's like oh that's that's the doorway and so I began following that path and it's so interesting because what I'm discovering through doing so is, you know, like a whole nother world is opening up to me, Um, but it feels like the world of my ancestors. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I'm learning about like nourishing herbs, for example, which um, things like nettle and red clover, raspberry red leaf, dandelions, and obviously the roses, the flower, but learning about all of these, herbs and like the nutritional qualities about them and the energetic and intuitive connections that we can have with them. And as I'm learning about them, all of a sudden I'm literally noticing that they're on my doorstep, like as in to the left of my door as, as, as I walk out of it. And as I'm kind of like collecting the herbs and drying the herbs and infusing the herbs, I think what's kind of been happening is that there's some kind of like cellular memory of my ancestors who did that mm-hmm. um with these plants and worked with these plants and there's it's been incredible and it's so not what I expected would happen um but I think it's it's really incredible and yeah I think it's um I think what you shared about almost like like the mountains being in your bones or I think that's really beautiful. I, I travelled from um, Turkey down to Egypt in 2010, and oh. so we went through parts of Kurdistan, like Syria. Um, we oh. didn't go to Iraq or oh. Iran, but I think it was oh. ju- like I, I don't know if those trips are, are possible now um, with where the world's at. Um, but I remember um, particularly in the borders of, of Turkey and Syria, um, like we went to Aleppo as well, but in in the like the around I'm not I can't remember the, the 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 city we we visited and the town we visited in particular, but I can see it I can see the land, and I can remember um, what we were told there, and you could feel it in your bones and I remember the phrase of the seat of civilization and how that land is just so ancient and so. Um, such a crucial part of humanity's story um and just like how many incredible just um ancient relics were just there on the ground on the on the on the on the like right there you you yeah so what an incredible place to be from as well oh, yeah
0: it's so beautiful i just felt my heart got so warm when you mm. said that and you were in the kurdish parts because uh, Yeah, I mean, there's been findings of like goddess temples, right? Like you know, from the areas where where we come from, a a, a specific goddess had the first even encounter before I even was aware of the goddess. That goddess showed up for me, Ishtar, and uh, wow, yeah, I and I had no idea. Like I had heard that name once when I was a child. I had a friend had that name and Mm -hmm. and the the visuals i got of her and then when i looked it up and saw it and said this must be some ancestral thing because why this particular i've had seen other goddesses you know like you see the hindu goddesses and and uh, but yeah this was really like not maybe a well-known story either so Mm -hmm. so i think that i what when you're talking I'm getting like these mm. <laughs> it's like you're it's we're. we have been probably doing a lot of the same things because you're talking mm. about first of all the rose and I have to say that I had um I gave a healing session today and the rose did come up and the rose really wanted to be part of this person's life in in her healing journey so i i just felt that synchronicity when you talked about it and how Mm. how i even gave her a drop drops of tincture rose um, Mm. and then you're speaking about the plants which i have just i think the past month started to get into exactly for the same reason as you mostly for my own Uh, practice not not to get a certification or such but more like how do I commune more with nature so I bought actually (laughs) now we have a full forest here with a lot of stuff but I wanted to start with it immediately and I bought nettle and I bought Mm. all these different dried herbs and been actually taking in the medicine of nettle and it's been so and also steaming with it and it's been so beautiful and so nourishing and it's yeah just like having that connection with earth in that way and yeah realizing our body is earth it's it's no separation so i think that's so beautiful everything that you mentioned is like yes 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 this is exactly what what i'm trying to to learn and do maybe nature during this Taurus season is also speaking to us even deeper because I feel like this started in this season about like three weeks ago. Like
1: mm, wow, what a beautiful journey you're on.
0: Oh, you too. I feel like we're mm-hmm. we're really diving into a lot of the same things, and mm. I also want to ask you because I think we both have been truly called to be in something that i've been longing to be in for many years and fully be in that is devotion and bhakti and mm. i want to ask you about that on your journey how what what called you to to this path and mm-hmm. i i love exactly like like everything that that you've been speaking about the devotional practice of kirtan and and uh, but also the way we live in devotion mm. So I think
1: that it must have been around 2010 when chanting first kind of entered my life or I became aware of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, there was there was a couple of people who led chanting. Um, one was Nikki Slade who ended up being a teacher of mine and is a really dear friend. Um, and another one is a is a a man in America called Guru Nam Singh, mm. and when I so he he's more of the Sikh tradition. Nikki has been um, on the Kirtan path for I think like thirty or forty years, um, and when I first started hearing devotional chanting in um, Kirtan in particular. I just could not stop crying (laughs) and it was like, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't sad tears as in like, oh, I'm falling apart here. It was the longing and yearning, but also the bliss of the bhakti. So of the nectar, the chant as the nectar and the longing for, the union and, um yeah, merging with the divine. And I think that the tears came because I think deep down, maybe all of us, but certainly me, and I can feel you too, I just had such a deep longing for it. And I think that so many of us, and, and particularly me growing up, I'd felt... I was searching for it um, and felt separate from it and also not separate from it. And so what the Kirtan path and the, the bhakti path um reconnected me to was that oneness. And so, like this morning, for example, I um I I'd been feeling a bit disconnected. And my number one way to get back to connection, particularly like if I feel separate or um her or um you know Mm. mainly disconnected from that oneness It, it brings me back every time and I think that what's so beautiful about it is that um you know what I was taught is that when that the chant exists in the field um like the sound field, the primordial field, and like it's a living thing. And all of the millions and millions and millions of people who've ever chanted that chant, um, which particularly the Kirtan is like in Sanskrit, which is such a sacred, sacred language, mm-hmm. um, which is like a seed that holds the essence of, what that chant is and then it's fueled by all of the people who've ever shown up in devotion to that chant and with that chant and that when we chant that chant, we're tapping into that collective field, into that primordial sound. Um, And I think there's so much about sound technology that we don't even understand and we're beginning, science is beginning to find and prove various different things but um yeah it's um i i love it
0: (laughs) yes i know that like it's also in the yoga lineage that i'm in is is uh, a part of it is you know bhakti yoga and uh, and that's actually the the they say it's the easiest way to self-realization and the community mm. of the divine and awakening because it goes from the heart and mm. exactly what you said like throughout my training we had um, each evening and still i'm joining that as well kirtans in the evening and uh, there there is one monk that uh, one of the swamis that it's it's really beautiful because it's uh, both women and men. So it's, also, mm. I love that. And one of the monks, I, um, one, one particular, uh, chant, uh, one particular, um, song was, uh, so powerful that exactly the tears came, but it was not connected with an emotion. It was mm. just a remembrance and that, okay, now I'm, now I'm here. And you know, as soon as we start each evening with Kirtas, it's like everything is gone, like everything is, is, uh, mm-hmm. it's just releasing. And I love that about, um like, if we really want to be in some form of devotion, like you said, these sounds, and when we're also singing the names of the deities, mm-hmm. that is the physical embodiment of that energy and that deity de- if we we can we can chant to whatever ishvara whatever um form of the divine that we want but when we're doing it we're really creating it in a physical and mm-hmm. tangible way i love that and i love how you explained
1: yeah with with your training and how it's like when the chant has its way with you (laughs) it just comes out of nowhere and i think particularly when we're training intensely with it or we're on the beginning of our journey with it and it continues of course um but what i found so incredible about observing during my training was that because there was so many of it well not that many of us it was like 20 one maybe people around that amount of people, but we're all so different, and we'd be singing these various different chants, and how different people resonated with different chants. And it wasn't like, oh yeah, I love this one. Yeah, it's real catchy tune kind of thing. It was this, it like it had to be soul, because you know you'd be listening to a chant and some people would be and, and singing with the chant and some people would be unaffected like that you know it's great enjoying it feeling it um but then but just kind of fully present whereas there'll be a couple of people in different corners of the room who just get taken by the chant and you know in great waves of grief come through as a wholly beautiful relief and waves of bliss with someone else and I just thought that was so interesting just like seeing the chant like a wave in the room did you experience anything like that?
0: Yeah definitely and it's I love like the live kirtans when we're sitting mm. together and there's it becomes so warm within that circle and the mm. energy building and this this mantra or uh, this this um this one particular that really i don't know why it, it really affected me so it's this narayana narayana jayagovindahare Narayana. it's so it, it was like <laughs> it just went so deep and and i was like you know it it, it and also my teachers and and uh, one of the monks said that sometimes when we do get that specific effect of a mantra a uh, uh, specific effect of this this singing it's that we have uh probably a past life connection to that specific mantra it can be that we yeah. once opened our our third eye with uh, through that because mm. when we're doing this inner meditation with a mantra it can really yeah, it, it affects our whole system. I could feel like my heart, like the heart rate and, and everything, like these physical <laughs> manifestations through the mantras.
1: Yeah, I totally, I totally know what you're talking about. Isn't it incredible?
0: It is amazing. And I know that you also play the harmonium, right? I do. Yeah, that's, that's like my next, I'm I'm looking for I've been wanting one for years now and mm. I found like tablas, but I, I really want to get a really good harmonium since I played the piano also. And I've been uh, playing a little mm. bit in yoga uh, schools on the mm-hmm. harmonium. How do you feel when you're playing that?
1: Oh, I love it. I love it. Cause it, it brings such a depth to, like the sound is just so it's, it's just such a full sound. <laughs> and um yeah, I, I I love the harmonium. Even just like um setting it to a, a chord like C or A yeah. and um even if you're not playing the the notes, um, it's just such a full hearted sound. Um yeah, I love it. So you play tabla, so drums.
0: I I have two of them at home because there was a woman that had a kundalini center in Stockholm that yeah. was closing a while ago. She's been doing it for so many years. So I got the tablas and I played a little bit. But I think that because since I was a child, I was drawn to the piano very much. Mm. Like it was like this crazy sensation in my body to play in that way with my fingers. So I think that the harmonium for Kirtan will be uh, truly something that I've probably done before and you as well. Yeah, and it's
1: it's (laughs) interesting with the harmonium as well because in my training I learned that the harmonium actually came from France Mm. and when the French went to to India – i'm told that they brought that instrument there yeah. so it really is like a a weaving of of europe and india
0: definitely yeah my are the one of the swamis that was founded the uh, ashram here in europe uh, was saying the same thing that it oh, uh, right yeah because they use it as well in kirtan and and that mm. it was got there from europe so definitely it's been like a weaving of, of two cultures, and now it's coming back mm-hmm. here. <laughs> so, you're using that. I mm. love it. It's so beautiful. And the different uh, instruments together, tabla and, and the harmonium together, is so beautiful. It's like the perfect balance. Mm. The perfect. Lovely. Balance. And I just want to ask you because. Um, when we look at these, when we learn about these different mythologies and deities and all of this, and your journey to Egypt, uh, which also has been something that I've been wanting to do, I've seen Mm -hmm. seen it in my visions, and I grew up with uh, my aunt uh, that, uh, like growing up and seeing images of Egypt, because they used to travel there a lot in the Think the '90s and mm. uh, yeah, since they we have um, we have both the Kurdish and Arabic language, and um, yeah, and then I'm I'm thinking about the, these experiences and um synchronicities with these. Now you've written a book about letters to Star Seeds, and how have your journey with the Star Seeds been because we go from this plane to a whole different Mm. uh, level of the universe yeah right yeah so it's interesting the book letters to a star
1: seed it kind of came to me a few years ago like as in about I think it was about seven or eight years ago and I saw I literally saw the book cover it's it's this beautiful it's kind of iridescent Um, otherworldly foil and I'd seen the book and I knew the title Letters to a Starseed Um, but it didn't come it didn't manifest, like it didn't didn't go ahead and it just wasn't the right timing but I knew it would come and last year um, in 2020 I was writing a different book that is still not written (laughs) Um, and I got the invitation to write that book that I had originally said, "The Letters to a Star Seed," and it was post me having birth and and living here in Glastonbury as I was like really diving into the connection with the earth. And um, as a result, the the essence of the book um, changed a little bit, which I'm so glad about because it would have been such a different book if I had written it all those years ago. Um, and so really what it is is it's an invitation for starseeds and and to me a starseed is someone who knows that that we're not the center of the universe who knows that um there's way more to life itself than than what we see here um and that that we have experienced um places and lifetimes and civilizations and even different parts of the universe other than right now right here um and yeah it really is it's like letters and of encouragement and uh, some transmissions and invitations to encourage us to call all parts of our soul fully here now Mm. to really commit to being home here, to really commit to, like, weaving the soul fully back into our everyday lives. Um, As we're going through such a um, a time of huge change and division and polarity, um, I think that particularly in the spiritual world it's so important for us to weave these two worlds back together um, cause I think that those of us who are sensitive, who, uh, resonate with like being an old soul, for example, um, who maybe have this like yearning or longing for the union. Um, it's so important for us to find ways to really integrate it into our everyday life and, and to acknowledge like, um, and Woodman, um, her work spoke of this, which is based on Jung, um, Mm -hmm. Carl Jung, where he spoke about the tension of the opposites, like polarity essentially, and like how important it is to be able to hold both together. And I think that's what is happening in these times that we're living in now, which, you know, it's between myth and story and like we're creating, we have the opportunity and we always have as well, um, but with such a, a big um waking waking up invitation happening all around the world um we have this opportunity to collectively realize that we have the the invitation and power to create a new myth and story for humanity
0: mm. yeah that's so beautiful and there's so much to discover did you have any have you had any dreams or visions of other worlds as well? Mm,
1: yeah, I definitely have um in my Oracle decks. That's kind of why I started creating Oracle decks, um, because I just had so many of these visions in my mind that I just wanted to kind of turn into actual art and actual um visuals, you know. Um, so a lot of them are um are in my oracles, um one particular place, Mintaka, which is part of Orion. Um yeah, those cards, I, I have such a memory of them. And then of course there's other ones that um they're in that are in there as well. But yeah, I feel like I I, I do have these like memories imprinted in me. And in, in the Starseed Oracle, there's a a card which is the card that we started with. Um, Uh, and I had such a clear vision of it. It was, um, and it's based on, and I've written about this in Letters to a Starseed and Light is a New Black, um, Mm -hmm. of this, I experienced it in a past life regression where I was taken back to the moment before my birth where Mm -hmm. I was kind of given the choice of where to incarnate, what body, what family, all of that. As well as receiving what I call like a collective mission, and my understanding of a collective mission is like you know, I'm sure you and I have a joint collective mission, for example. Um, and I remember w- looking through this kind of like watery, um, it's almost like this this body of water through to the earth, um, and yeah, so that that card is visualized as the I remember card. And then the fall into my arms card was actually an initiatory experience I had during my Kiritan training where I was like taken into the centre of the earth, into the arms of the great mother and I saw the souls coming in through the left and leaving through the right like a breath, like this life is just like a breath in the moment and began singing in um, these different ancient languages that I did not know which is not a normal occurrence for me um but it's all the great mother holding the great mother holding all of us and you know my experience of that was that um she was kind of taking us into her arms and and saying I know that life on earth can be difficult and you know there's a sweetness and the the difficulty the ecstasy and the agony and um that like no one's immune to that um it was that's the greatest healing experience of my life that that vision of of that um, I, i'm looking at some artwork that i've been working on with a new artist i'm working with um where i'm literally it's the exact same um initiatory experience the vision that i had where, where there's probably three different bits of art based on that. So my intention is that it always like that the the that the oracle cards like hold the energetic experience, which is like such a big thing. Like, and you you'd love this. The the artist I'm working with, I'll do like a a mood board, and then I'll do a video brief explaining it, and obviously then the words that go with it. Um. But I've begun just the past couple of weeks, like sending her chants or sounds that come through, and so it's almost like packaging it up with the voice, the sound current, which is that's something new. I've not done that before, um, and she's great. She um she can hear it, and and so she's playing it while she's creating it, and it's such mm-hmm. a cool cool part of the creative process that has just emerged I love it I know you'll love that
0: <laughs> oh wow yeah wow yes yeah. so taking the sound and creating something visual like it's like like one layer at a time and then making it like your your cards are beyond like when when you're talking about it and the the visions and the insights that you get the remembrance and the divine mother everything is like like sinking into my body as you're speaking and and yeah your cards are so like i you know when you look at them you want to dive in and back into that space because (laughs) you really like these yeah and actually a lot of a lot of the visuals that you have. I've also seen like,
1: really, the
0: world, yeah, like these waters and these, like the elements that you're using, it's really such a beautiful and magical place to, to see and, and, and remember. So yeah, mm. that's amazing. Everything that you do is so mm. beautiful. And yeah, just those visuals uh, are also like sparks of remembrance and, and uh, awakenings initiations Mm -hmm. thank you I love that and is there anything that you want to share besides all of this is there anything that you're doing right now that you want to uh, share with the listeners
1: oh well I guess my my new book letters to a star seed is out um and so that's available my website which is rebeccacampbell.me and yeah I think that's about it
0: (laughs) okay so I will uh, share the links as well in the show notes this conversation was so beautiful it was like Mm. uh, talking to a sister that I haven't Mm. met for a long time so I feel uh, the same yeah I'm so grateful that you're took your time thank you so so much and thank you so much Shireen. love to you thank you loving beings for being here and sharing this time with me and my guests and creating this beautiful web in the world of love and upliftment so that we can create a more positive and peaceful world And if you're inspired by this episode and you want to connect with Rebecca and her work, you can check her out at RebeccaCampbell.me and also Rebecca Campbell on Instagram and Facebook. And in the show notes, you also have the links to her website and also Letters to a Starseed if you want to check it out. So thank you for being here, let's take a deep inhalation in through the nose, breathing in that new and loving energy into your body and on the exhalation, release, ground down and have a blessed and beautiful day, Om Shanti.